Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today is day 32 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings and today featured uh, mainly testimony from Chief Dave McNeil of the Truro Police Department. Uh, Chief McNeil was on the stand from about 10 a.m. until uh, 5 p.m. or a little after 5 p.m. when uh, cross-examination was concluded. And so he testified for uh, uh, the bulk of the day. There was a brief foundational document presentation before Chief McNeil took the stand or took the witness table. And so it was an interesting day. Uh, lots, uh, lots has been heard from Chief McNeil prior to his testimony today. Uh, we've heard, uh, seen Chief McNeil in the news dealing with the, the fallout from the mass casualty events. Of course, the Truro Police Department is uh, basically adjacent to the Portapique area. And so, um, you know, the RCMP is patrolling the area just outside of the town of Truro on all sides and uh, but in order to get from Portapic and from Wentworth uh, traveling down through to you know Enfield and Elmsdale that area Stewiak, Shubenacadie the killer drove through Truro actually spent nine minutes in town we've seen uh, video footage from different businesses and other locations throughout the town of Truro that shows the you know the, the route that he took to go through town and uh, people wouldn't know Truro well. He didn't take the main entrance in from the west, but uh, went in through sort of the old highway around the edge a little bit, and then but actually came through right downtown Truro and then uh, out on the other side. So uh, he was right in the middle of town, and in fact, the Truro Police Department didn't find out that fact until a week later when they saw on the news some um, footage of the killer going through. Uh, on surveillance cameras in the town of Truro. So it was, uh, it was quite a day. Uh, it featured vigorous uh, cross-examination of uh, Chief McNeil. Chief McNeil was um, great on the stand. He, uh, he was unflappable, very uh, stoic, answered questions in paragraphs at length, uh, and uh, was um, not thrown off by, by anything that came his way. So lots to uh, discuss, and so the first thing that was interesting was that the day started off with a about a 20 minute or so foundational document presentation about the Truro Police Service and about the killer's time going through Truro and the connection between the uh, Truro Police and the RCMP communications back and forth. The there was very little communication, even though this was you know minutes away from Truro where this was all taking place. The RCMP didn't really let Truro police know very much. Uh, as things were unfolding in the sort of 10, 30, 11 p.m. range on Saturday night, uh, nothing was passed on. It wasn't really until, uh, I think, around 1 o'clock when the first uh, bolo be on the lookout was passed on. There was another one about 4.30 in the morning. And, but both of these notices to the Truro police talked about the killer's vehicles. They didn't mention a replica vehicle they mentioned a decommissioned vehicle as a possibility in the later, the later notice, uh, but uh, wasn't wasn't very specific. Certainly not uh, thorough as to what the RCMP knew at the time they were issuing the statements to or the the bolos to the Truro Police. So there wasn't a great deal of communication, uh, unfortunately, really until Staff Sergeant Briars took over in the morning 
as the risk manager from uh, Staff Sergeant Ray Hill that uh, more communication seemed to be forthcoming. Interesting, just a little point there. Of course, Staff Sergeant Breyers testified without really any restrictions, uh, was willing to be subjected to cross-examination, I thought handled himself uh, quite well. Um, but Staff Sergeant Ray Hill, Ray Hill, on the other hand, needed the, uh, the accommodations or requested them at least. So just a, a point there. Now, one thing about the short uh, foundational document presentation. Now, this is progress on the part of the commission because instead of doing, you know, doing the whole thing by foundational document presentation by a commission lawyer, they do a brief one and then they go on to the witness. However, much of that uh, detail about when communications took place, the fact that it was a week later when the chief found out about the vehicle going through, about the killer going through Truro, all of that was covered in the uh, foundational document presentation. Well, why is that a big deal? Well, it keeps Chief McNeil from saying these things, verbalizing them himself, and thus that being part of a, a newscast uh, tonight or whatever, right? So you don't get those clips of Chief McNeil saying it. It's just sort of the, you know, the monotonous tone of the uh, commission lawyer, uh, senior commission counsel that uh, gave the presentation perhaps designed to keep those things from being prominently featured in newscasts, which of course goes on to the general public. So uh, Chief McNeil was, was upset about a number of things, uh, although he didn't appear upset or angry in his tone. He was just uh, conveying what he felt and what the other officers uh, under his command felt as well. The uh, Truro Police have well-trained officers. There was a narrative going around at one point, I understand, early on where uh, there was a question as to how well-trained the Truro Police may have been and whether they would have been capable of helping out the RCMP. Chief McNeil says they're all carbine-trained. They have, um, you know, they have all of the, the hard body, body, body armor that you need under those circumstances. Uh, so all of that was fine. They work with the RCMP all the time at the uh, lower levels. Uh, you know, constables are working on cases together because there's a lot of overlap of jurisdiction in the Truro area. And in fact, before 2017, the RCMP, when they had somebody, a uh, prisoner they needed to lock up in Truro, would use the Truro Police Department's uh, lockup facilities. And so in that case, RCMP constables were in there all the time using the facilities, using the you know technology that the Truro Police had. So they were all familiar with each other's capabilities. Lots of resources used on the part of the RCMP back and forth. Uh, well, usually that the Truro Police, it seems, would be using RCMP um, capabilities, training, all those things. Never charged for it, never had to fill out a form or anything like this. And then after these uh, the, the shootings and some of the criticism that came from Truro Police and other police services, all of a sudden, you know, the RCMP is demanding forms be filled out, payments be made for all of these uh, services that they used to provide for free. So that was, uh, that's a development that's taken place. And of course the relationship has deteriorated uh, mostly at the senior levels. And Chief McNeil talked about that most particularly this, uh, you know, Association of Nova Scotia Police Chiefs, which has made the extraordinary move of demoting the uh, RCMP from full member to associate members, which means now that uh, rather than being active members, they're associate members, so they can't sit on the executive, they can't vote on motions, that sort of thing. So it's um, 
uh, an issue. And so the, uh, well, it's, it's a sign of an issue is between the forces. The other thing that came up, of course, is this criminal intelligence bulletin that was uh, created in 2011 about uh, Wartman by uh, the Truro Police. And it was recalled by an Amherst Police Department officer who remembered it from, uh, you know, years prior. Alerted the RC, or alerted the Truro Police to it. At one point, the Truro Police was, uh, you know, re made had a request from CBC and from Global News to give us all your information you have on Wartman. That was part of it, and so the discussion took place with the RCMP. Hey, guess what? We're going to release this. We feel that we're compelled to do so. And the RCMP tried in a subtle way, maybe not so subtle, uh, to um, not release it. Uh, Chief McNeil says it wasn't quite put so plainly, but there was a phone call, uh, an unusual conference call with uh, Superintendent Chris Leather and Janice Gray from the RCMP, uh, where Chief McNeil brought in his deputy chief just so that he have a, a witness to it where they the RCMP wanted to go through the Truro police files and Chief McNeil declined that request um, so that was uh, so that, that also is the source of some tension between the two forces another source of tension and I'm going to come back to this at the end in 2019 prior to of this of course the Truro police had presented to Colchester County the municipality was doing a police review, a review of their police and services. They have the RCMP there. It's all very expensive. They're not having a full complement of officers. They don't have 24 hours, seven, 24 hour, uh, seven days a week policing. So they were going out and seeing what their options might be. And Truro Police uh, taking over as a sort of a regional police force was considered one of those options. And they presented to, uh, Truro Police presented to Municipal Council on that. So certainly some tension there on the, the contract uh, for Colchester County between Truro Police and the RCMP at the senior levels again probably uh, do doesn't seem to be according to Chief McNeil impacting the sort of frontline officers and their uh, mutual relationships so there was uh, there's another issue that came up and this was sort of led to the chiefs of police making their decision which was well there's uh, course the shootings themselves and the you know pressure that they were feeling initially to agree to a review rather than a full inquiry chief mcneil wouldn't sign off on that he didn't feel it was appropriate at all and told uh, minister fury that didn't appreciate being sort of pressured into trying to agree to a review instead of an inquiry but the other one was from uh, uh, deputy commissioner uh, lee bergerman who was the head rcp officer in nova scotia trying to pressure the chiefs including chief mcneil into saying something about the alert ready system to agree with the narrative that the alert ready system wasn't capable wasn't capable of being used for the purposes of an active shooter situation chief mcneil uh, disagreed with that entirely said it was capable of being used and was not prepared to sign off on uh, any kind of a narrative that suggested otherwise so some real tensions going on there and um, of course, you know, this all strikes a neutral observer, I would expect, as the RCMP looking to cover up what they've done and, uh, you know, try to hide some of their mistakes and uh, practices from the public. Uh, Chief McNeil was having uh, none of that. Particularly upset, like I said, that he didn't learn until a week later that the killer had gone through Truro 
and even more so, he said, typically the RCMP, if they're coming into Truro, into the jurisdiction of the town to do anything, they'll let the town know. They'll give just a heads up. Hey, you know, we're going to be there. We're doing this file. Or even if they're under undercover and they're going to have firearms, well, they let the Truro police know so that, you know, nothing. If they get an alert or report of somebody with a firearm, well, we know that that's an RCMP officer or something. But after the tragedy, the RCMP was going through Truro, talking to different businesses, trying to get information on surveillance cameras and all these things without seeking any cooperation or even informing the Truro police that that's what they were doing. So that was a real breakdown in uh, communication and relationships as well. So uh, that's um, hard to say where that relationship uh, may go in the future. Now, uh, we've seen lots of... Uh, discussion in the Mass Casualty Commission as it's unfolded about the trauma-informed nature of it and particularly there's been criticism about the National Police Federation and the Federal Department of Justice seeking to protect police officers, particularly senior police officers, from being cross-examined. We've had officers testify by video, uh, limited cross-examination, questions asked by Mass Casualty Commission lawyers or just other sort of limits on that. Well, there was no limits on Dave McNeil's uh, testifying. Uh, he was open up to cross-examination. And two of the lawyers cross-examining him were Natasha Najawin from the National Federation of Police, who went first. And then uh, bookended was at the end was uh, Lori Ward, the lawyer for the uh, federal uh, DOJ. And of course, to be intellectually uh, consistent with their previous um, submissions that all police officers have gone through trauma and shouldn't be vigorously questioned. They held back on their questions and really didn't have many, many at all. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, they went after Chief McNeil on several topics. Uh, his failure to lock down the town of Truro when uh, requested. Well, he had an easy response for that. It was a panicked, last-minute, vague request to lock down the, the town without any information as to where the killer might be driving, where they think he might be, which of the many potential entryways into Truro he might be taking, any of those things, and with, you know, a minute or less to, you know, put the lockdown into place. Well, of course, they, was, they weren't going to lock down. Of course, and then as Tara Miller reminded us all in her cross-examination after Mr. Jowan, there were... Other police forces between Portapic, other RCMP detachments, that is, between Portapic and Truro, which also didn't uh, have any roadblocks or lockdowns or anything like that. So, containment perimeter set up. So, that really didn't go very far, I didn't think, as a line of questioning. Uh, Miss Ward asked about the alert ready system and his knowledge and use of it and tried to get him to agree that it really wasn't all that useful, and Chief McNeil was unflappable there as well um didn't didn't uh did, wasn't shaken in any of his testimony so very interesting day uh, it uh, as i said earlier uh, the truro police had presented to colchester county about uh, policing the county and taking over from the rcmp i think you'll see more of that coming wouldn't be surprised if uh, the municipality was uh, much more interested in that even now than they were even then I suspect they were interested then just because of the cost and the lack of coverage. 
So we'll see what comes to pass. But watching Chief McNeil today really, I think, reconfirmed for me. Uh, you know, I've seen him in interviews and was very impressed by his, his sort of, you know, very good, good communicator, forthright, uh, you know, straight to the point, not avoiding any questions. To me, it confirmed that he would be an excellent chief of the Nova Scotia Police uh, should that come to pass, a very competent and trustworthy leader, uh, which is just what uh, police force needs, especially at this time uh, in Nova Scotia. So those are my thoughts watching uh, Chief McNeil uh, testify today about the uh, you know, lack of communication between the, the RCMP and the Truro Police, the lack of communication from the RCMP. I want to make sure that's clear and uh, some of the other issues with that and, and the sort of fallout from uh, in terms of the police relationships in Nova Scotia that's uh, resulted from uh, the RCMP actions during the mass casualty and then uh, subsequent to that as they tried to uh, cover their tracks, I guess you'd say. All right, so that was it for day 32 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings. Uh, back tomorrow with uh, more witness testimony. And so I'll be watching then and we'll bring you a further report. So thanks again for watching. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.